Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching on War Chant TV. Happy Libations Friday, Loose Goosey Edition. Next hour, Mike Martin Jr. I talked about this yesterday, but we always have our in-depth interview with the head man himself before the start of the season. And it takes up uh, the vast majority of the hour. He uh, recorded that yesterday, and uh, in the interest of transparency, this is being recorded just a scotch before we would normally be live at one. So if you're listening, so you know, uh, we did this earlier today. Uh, had to, um, won't get into the logistics, no big deal, doesn't matter, fresh content is fresh content, we're good to go. I'm Jeff, that's Tom, he'll be joining us now. Director Matthew is doing what he does, and you guys are you, and you're listening to us, and we appreciate that, and I'm looking forward to it. So two things to promote here. First of all, once again, next hour, Mike Martin Jr. on opening day. He'll be with us for pretty much the entirety of that hour. We go really in-depth. If you didn't get a chance uh, to read the story that Austin posted on Warchant.com, I would tell you to go over there because we've got some highlights from uh, my interview with Mike Martin Jr., which is a really good one. Uh, we really kind of cover uh, the gamut, if you will, um, everything about the team, everything about philosophy of baseball and what he's done well as a coach, as a newer coach, as a head coach, that is, what he what he thinks he could do better and what, what where he needs to improve, all of it. It's all out there. And as always, I thank him because his candor is greatly appreciated. We talk about the league. We talk about the, the state of baseball. We talk about Florida State baseball, obviously. We talk about the rotation, the relievers. We talk about uh, the multitude of players that are, he's going to throw out there. Um, 
at, at each position, you know, a lot of platooning going to go on in the outfield, et cetera. So uh, I think you'll like that a lot. I'm always excited. Uh, it's great. Uh, Live Nations Friday, Lucy Goosey edition when, when it's opening day for baseball, it's just, it's a signifier. And every year I get pumped up uh, to go over to Dick Hauser stadium. I know I have fun at Hauser's expense and it's just because I love it. And I'd like to see it better. I'd like to see it improve. We actually get into that subject matter as well towards the end of my interview with him about what's possible. Actually, Tom, I thought that was interesting. And I'll start right there. You know, you kind of flip the page now in your head uh, to include college baseball. And that, and, and, and that, of course, doesn't just mean Florida State. I mean, it's all the people you have to compete against. It's the schedule. It's the fight for regional, uh, regional play. It's a fight for a top eight national seed. It's putting yourself in the best possible position against the strictest competition in the Southeast. And so you start paying attention to other programs and how they're doing. And and it becomes the weekend now when you know how we normally do it these days, Tom, when you're looking at the ticker and you're looking for hockey scores, you're looking for perhaps occasionally a marquee matchup in the NBA. So you'll check a score. Obviously, we're always checking college basketball scores and kind of paying attention to that. Unfortunately, this year for us, that matters a little less as Florida State gets set to take on Duke uh, in a game that I don't think uh, will fare well. And uh, wouldn't it be something if that upset occurred uh, at Cameron Indoor? I I doubt it strongly, uh, but nonetheless, um, now you can now you can add to that list of things to check uh, along with golf. College baseball scores because they matter and they impact. And if you think you got a good team, you are jockeying right from the get go. You don't have time uh, to do much else. Just you're paying close attention, close attention um, to, to what Florida State's doing, but what your competition is doing as well. Yeah, well, you head back to Boyd'sWorld.com for the old uh, pseudo RPI and check in on that. You know, I'd like to be doing that a lot more this year in May because last year's record of thirty-one and twenty-four was um, not great. And uh, while we did great against our opponents, uh, in-state rivals, I should say. Um, not all opponents, but certainly the University of Miami and Florida. Uh, that was an excellent series of games for us. I think it was four in a row in a given week last year that we won over both of them. Uh, but you know, he's eight over- and two against his rivals. <laughs> he's eight and two. That that's okay. So that's huge. The forty win thing is gone. That was a thirty one win season last year. I know we were shorted a couple of games, but you would have had to get out to Omaha to to make it happen. And, Last year's group was let down by their defense ultimately in the end. Uh, They made it interesting in the Oxford Regional, but that was a team that was limited, and it was frustrating. Um, It had heart, and it had arms. This year's group, let's hope that they have a little bit more to them. They have bats. They put the bat on the baseball. That's going to be the key this year because, you know, when you get looking at college baseball scores, it's usually because that means you're good. I find that I look at men's basketball scores less this year because Florida State's not as good in basketball. So I'm not trying to see, ooh, who are we competing with on the five line or the four line? Remember, typically this time of year, we're looking at bra- uh, bracketmatrix.com and saying, where is Florida State? I miss it. I miss it terribly, and I also miss looking at the RPI in baseball late in the season. I think they've got a better club this year overall. They're going to have to prove it at the plate. The arms, no doubt, are there. The swings and the misses are going to be there in the top half of the inning at Dick Hauser Stadium. The question is, what does the bottom half look like this year? So we'll see. I did just for you, buddy. I went to break it, bracketmatrix.com just now while we were doing this show together. Just just for old time's sake, uh, I typed it in because uh, I, too, enjoy checking it. And uh, uh, sadly, obviously, you can continue to scroll down and you will not find Florida State. <laughs> You'll, not at a place that's enviable. Not where you'd want to be. I mean, this is the time of year where we're supposed to say, what the hell is Gary Parrish doing? 
Like, does he even pay attention at all to these things? Or you say, Lenardi, you're an idiot. Why do you have us on a six? We're, we're easily a four seed, you know, and that's, that's the conversations that, that I miss. Um, we'll see if we have the mon- one magic week in Brooklyn, and then we'll have to play a Tuesday playing game in Dayton or something along those lines. But short of that, um, that will not be in my recent browsing history like it usually is. It's usually my first suggestion. I could be going to uh, our art program, which uh, starts with the letter B, and I hit the letter B, and it goes, BracketMatrix.com? You want to to- <laughs> not this year, man. Not this year. Hey, by the way, this is also an age-old question, and it is a test for all of the listeners and, and, and watchers, viewers, I should say. If your team's not in it, for years we had to find a way to do this because we weren't in it. We were not a team of significance. We didn't matter all that much. Um and if that was what dictated your fandom of the sport, then you were you were without in the month of March. You were devastated, and then became then we became a very real participant uh, in the postseason. Uh, not just to make the tournament, we became a team that a lot of people looked at potentially as a Final Four team, uh, certainly an Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteen team. And of course, I pointed out all the time, and I think it bears repeating for good reason. Florida State has gone to three straight Sweet Sixteens. That's not nothing. That's a big deal, especially at a program like this. So we have to now, unfortunately, re-encounter those feelings uh, from yesteryear where the postseason is going to be here real soon. It's February 18th. I mean, it is damn near March. It's a short month. And March hits, and you start to feel the fever, and your team's not in it. How engaged are you? Do you watch? Are you going to watch these games down the stretch? Are you going to watch these conference tournaments? How big a college basketball fan are you really? That's the question that gets asked if your team's not any good, if they're not going to be a team of significance. And I think that's what I'm wrestling with right now because I agree with Jay Billis. Officiating has been terrible this year in college basketball. They don't let them play in the sense of – uh, movement. Uh, you, you get a lot of mugging these days. They do let them play in that. They're not calling a ton of fouls, although it seems like in our games, there's the exception. Um, I, it's, the product hasn't been great. It's not terrible. I pay attention to it for the college sports book. You know, I'm a gambler. Uh, we don't hide that. I try to give good information about these teams, and I certainly am doing more than taking an educated guess on the games. I'm researching the teams, adjusted tempo rates and what they are uh, from an efficiency standpoint, all of that. I have to to make a good gambling pick, but I got to admit, I'm not sitting around watching the random Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, SEC, ACC game right now. I don't know if you are. Every now and again, I'll flip over there if I've got some interest in it, if you know what I'm saying. But other than that, I'm I'm not watching as much. And that bothers me. That makes me sad. It's another byproduct, negative aspect of having gotten to a place where Florida State has very real expectations on the basketball court year in and year out, and to be struck by the uh, lack of expectations and the lack of hope uh, for our team right now with with this many games still to play, the remainder of the season plus the ACC tournament and what would normally be a postseason berth, it makes me sad, brother. makes me sad. It makes me embrace Florida State baseball all the much more, and it makes me really excited for spring football. Yeah, I mean, I'll be checking baseball scores and softball scores a hell of a lot more this month than I normally would be doing. I can tell you that I won't watch one extra second of the ACC tournament than I have to. I don't, I don't like any of those programs. Like, I mean, and it's a down year too, so there's nothing yeah. to it. I would run to Iona and watch the MAC tournament, but I, you know, the Greek hating Rick Patino is the coach, so I, I, that's kind of a, a no, 
That's nothing for me. I'm not going to watch the games in Dayton unless we have one magical week in Brooklyn and we have to play in one of those playing games because I imagine that's where they would stick us, and rightly so. Uh, so I will be showing up Thursday at 11 a.m. wherever I, I need to be and, and get ready to go. And I'll probably – I bet there's a ratio too for a lot of Noel fans out there. Like, you know, our aptitude versus the, the amount of brackets you fill out. I'll bet it's inverse. The better we are, the fewer brackets you need to fill out. The worse we are, the more pools I'm going to be in. And there's no yeah. doubt about that. I'm going to make that tournament interesting because you've got to also make it interesting for more than just that first weekend, which is great. But once you get to the Sweet 16 and you're actually watching really high-level basketball outside of a couple of Cinderella stories, you've got to have it to where you want to tune in those days too. We have always been, it feels like, um, a conversation piece in this 2.0 era for the second weekend. Whether we made it or we didn't, we were always in the conversation. And in most brackets, you wouldn't be crazy to pencil in Florida State to get two wins the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. That's just not the case now. So, yeah, I'll have to do some engineering in order to stay interested in it. But the good news is by the time you get to Sweet 16 weekend, you're about uh, this close to the spring game into the Masters, which is good. It hurts. Uh, I was I was looking this morning, Tom, when we were getting set to come on here and do the show, and I was just looking at a bunch of different stories and profiles and things that we wanted to talk about in this first hour. And along the way, I decided to take a look, uh, an in-depth look, um, with all of those uh, metrics, uh, strength of schedule, opponents adjusted, uh, tempo, all of that, defense, luck, uh, all the stuff that you can find on Pomeroy, Ken Palm stuff, you know, and and then go beyond that. And along the way, it struck me, I wonder where Florida State is after all those adjustments. Where do they rank right now with the struggles that they've had? Where do they rank coming on? Do you have any idea on, on the Pomeroy college basketball rankings with all those adjustments added in for strength of schedule or lack thereof, tempo, rebounding, efficiency, all those things? Where do you think Florida State is, buddy? Uh, 123. That's a good guess. We're 101st. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, so we're better than you thought, huh? <laughs> yeah, I feel pretty good. Thank you for making this day a little bit better. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah we're 101st behind such powerhouses as Grand Canyon. Ooh. Yeah, you didn't even know that existed. Me neither. Grand Canyon, Drake, Bradley, uh, Cincinnati, I, your beloved Iona. Bradley from um, the corner pocket's better than us? <laughs> Bradley, uh, Wichita State, Santa Clara, Towson, Furman, uh, Toledo. Uh, yeah, yeah. Grand Canyon. Did I say Grand, <laughs> Grand Canyon? Yeah, that's where we are. It's uh, damn it, man. It's just this will not stand. I will put the finishing touches on this opening segment by saying this. I really believe this will be the impetus for a, a concentrated effort by Leonard Hamilton to radically alter aspects of this roster uh, to where you have some safety net measures in place where if guys get hurt, you can't. Corey brought this up on Seminole Headlines this week, and he's right. Lots of teams suffer through injuries. Lots of teams lose inspiring leaders, veteran players, and they don't fall off a cliff the way that Florida State did when Malik Osborne went down. In essence, you start with Malik Osborne. Now, you've had, a, you know, we've had myriad injuries uh, to go along with it, but really their play began to significantly drop off the second Malik Osborne wasn't present. And 
Florida State goes from being a first-place team in the ACC, winners of six straight, to losing at home to Pitt. And quite frankly, without a heroic performance against a, a bad Clemson team, they lose another home game the other night. So, you know, you can't have a, a situation where you lose two or three guys and all of a sudden you can't play. You're just not competitive. You, you look like the last-place team in the league. That can't happen. He, I, the, the transfer portal market is going to be hit hard, I really believe, this offseason. Yeah, it has to be in the, in the front court, right? That that's what you need players for, and Emily could come back to, and that could help. Um, but I'm not going to say that I'm shocked by the fact that they fell off a cliff. We talked about this openly about how thin they are near the basket, and how maybe this year that opens up the opportunity to play small, to play fast and athletic with Malik Osborne as you know your five, which we couldn't find a home for him. First, it was. He got caught up uh, with Raekwon Gray. Then it was, well, even when Raekwon's not on the court, what do we want to do with him? Because we've tried to develop him away from the basket. Maybe we need him closer. So it was always an in-between. There was a question you asked Coach Ham last year. I think it was like in December, and that was a good season. We were playing really well at that time. He's like, well, we just don't have a home for Malik. Well, then when Balsa left, it was was a hole that wasn't filled, and Gom wasn't even going to do it if he was healthy. And then the moment that, you know, that all happens, Malik's hurt, and Gom is, uh, is close to returning. You find something in Nahima Cloud that you like, and then he breaks his wrist or hand, you know, or uh, it was his finger, whatever it is. He broke his hand. And so you, even your offensive things that you like, because he's going to give up a lot defensively, but even the offensive identity that you were developing is now gone. So we knew this team was thin, and it's kind of like FSU the last handful of years in the offensive line. You know, you get one key injury to the wrong guy and everything falls apart. How much better would the offensive line last year have been if Devontae Love Taylor was himself from two seasons ago? It might have actually been okay. Right, right. And he could have played whatever tackle position needed if somebody else went down, but he was never close to 100%, and we felt that all year. So in the same way for this basketball team, we're not used to being this thin, even though we still play eight or nine guys, which with this year's roster, is a, that's a dicey proposition to begin with. If you lost the wrong dude, this is where you were going to be. You just can't be in that position. Like to Corey's point, you can't fall off the cliff. But to me, that's that's about roster management. And that's where I think you're right. We're going to be hitting that transfer portal really hard for veteran presence near the basket. We got to get tougher, plain and simple. Uh, we, 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 that's an important key thing to point out here. It's not just that you lost some personnel and guys got hurt and you're in a transitional state because you lost guys to the NBA. That's going to happen if you recruit really well and you bring in elite players and they play well or they have the body types and project well. They're going to get drafted and you're going to be, I mean, that's part of the modern era of recruiting. It's one and done and you take your risks. Um, you know, I'm sure Duke was happy that they got Zion. I mean, you know, but, you know, I mean, this happens. We, we, we've been happy, obviously. Patrick Williams was a good get for us, you know, and Scotty Barnes was a good get for us. But this is what happens if those guys play well and then it coincides with others emerging as future pros and leaving after their junior year or senior year, you know, Balsa having an opportunity to play professionally abroad, that killed us. I mean, we know what we would have been with him. And by the way, his game was developing as such that he could play down low and away from the basket. He would have been a monster this year in helping these kids grow. But of course, uh, you know, newsflash to everybody. I know we've all watched the games. He's not here and we miss him terribly. In many ways, we miss him a lot more than we miss Raekwon Gray. I know a lot of people would say, no, if Raekwon had come back and and, and made a decision that benefited Florida State, um, that we would be better. I'm not so sure. I, I mean, Raekwon would help, but Balsa would have been 
the key figure to get back in my mind. No, Raekwon would have helped you on the glass, and, and he would have been somebody that they could turn to. There have been so many moments this year in the half court. They're like, who wants the ball? Well, yeah, Raekwon Gray would have wanted the ball. But you, you talk about creating lanes for driving, uh, right. running, yeah. running your whole offense. I mean, hell, even Balsa towards the end of the year last year showed dribble drive. It was like, yes, yeah. yeah. so, people yeah. off the bounce. He, uh, he was shooting threes. He, you know, he did everything. He could have earned himself a ticket into the first round with this year because we would have had nothing else. He would have been a double-double machine, and he would have found his way much higher in the NBA draft. But I get the sense that when he left, it wasn't about necessarily making it in the NBA. It was just about making it to the direct deposit box. So, fine. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's fine. I mean, it's a decision you can make. Hey, so uh, given that it's Libations Friday and Lucy Goosey, uh, I, <laughs> I say this a lot. I love my listeners. I love listeners. I love the people that get the show and get – Aspects of the show that are developed over years, nuances, quirks, and personality. They understand things we like. Somebody sent me something on my Instagram account, uh, and it, it, it made me laugh because it came in the dead of night, which means they must have been scrolling uh, and came across the story and said, Jeff's going to love this. And guess what? I'll talk about it next. I'll describe what it is. But another garage sale, Tom, another effing garage sale. It happens all the time, just not to me. And for whatever reason, it pisses me off. I'll talk about it next. Jeff Cambridge, Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Sticks. The legacy continues. J.Y., Tommy, Chuck, Todd, Lawrence, Ricky, and Will. Sticks. February 22nd, 2022. Donald L. Tucker Civic Center. Sticks with one hit song after another. Tickets on sale now at TuckerCivicCenter.com. Don't miss Sticks live. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3, Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Libations Friday, Lucy Goosey, opening day edition of the program. Next hour, Mike Martin Jr. going to join us for a good bit of that hour, almost all of it uh, next hour. I think uh, you would do well to listen to it. It's a good interview, and it's a great season preview uh, because we really do vet the entirety of this team, the depth chart. And what you're going to get with the rotation, the bullpen, and of course your position players. So look forward to that. If you're watching on 90 on uh, Warchant TV, you'll see our many sponsors that we are thankful for and uh, participate with. But you see Orange Theory up there in the left hand corner, and uh, I would invite you to swing on in to your uh, nearest Orange Theory Fitness. I go there, enjoy it very much. It's why I tell you about it. There's one in Midtown. There's one on the north side of town as well by the Fresh Market parking lot, and uh, the first workout is always free. And I think if you were to participate in that workout, uh, you'd, you'd sign up. You'd say, okay, uh, this is for me. I like it. Um, I'm not going to tell you it's easy because it's not, but it is body transformational, and it is science-backed, and it does work. All right, I mentioned it a moment ago. Uh, thanks to you guys. Thanks to a listener who sent this to me. 
follows me on Instagram and uh, or found me on Instagram and then uh, sent this story in. And it made me laugh because it's the kind of thing we've talked about for years on the show. Here's your headline, Tom. This $30 garage sale drawing. Here we go. Dot, dot, dot. Turned out to be worth more than $10 million. It's a drawing. A good one. But, you know, nothing earth shattering. Garage sales obviously attract people thinking they're going to find the deal of the century. They often do. It's stories like this that uh, make me want to go to every single garage sale I pass. I'm going to become that guy in my old age, Tom. I'm not stopping. I'm going to garage sales. Isn't uh, that kind of now? No? No. <laughs> isn't, isn't that, I mean, hang on. Just for, to be fair, isn't 50 about the beginning of the demo? Like 25, maybe 23 is the beginning of the demo for Sports Talk Radio if you have a listener, right? Like that's when they're aging right in. The PGA Tour gets you around 29, 30 years old. Next thing you know, why are you on Golf Channel all the time? Weather Channel, same way. 50 is about that age for the garage sales when it's, you know, hey, you're up early anyway. If you're up at 5 a.m., hey, let me go see what uh, what's going on at 6. It starts at 6. I can get there before anybody else, find some good deals. I can see it working. Well, you're not wrong. I don't know too many people that want you on their property at 6 a.m. I mean, that's a, that is an early bird. I mean, that is a tough deal there. I mean, when my parents did, yeah, we, we started at either six or seven in the morning, the garage sales that we did. We put it, uh, ads in the, uh, in the paper. I think we did two or three at my house growing up, and it was always bright and early because we were trying to get it done. Like we were trying to sell it all by lunchtime, and it never worked, but we tried. I've never been a part of a garage sale. I've never had one myself. My parents never had one when I lived with them. I've never done it. I could stand to do it. There is, I can assure you that if you come to Jeff's garage sale, you will not find a drawing that then turns around and worth $10 million or some uh, secret Van Gogh that nobody knows existed and it's out in my garage. No, and I don't know what it is and I'm going to sell it to you for $2 and you're going to get it for $40 million at some point. No, it, it doesn't exist in the Cameron household. I wish. I've scoured through all my old stuff hoping that I accidentally purchased something somewhere at an antique store ages ago and I don't have to go there either in the hopes that, uh, that I might have something of value like that. But I can assure you, nope, it's just dumb trinkets that I beg my wife to get rid of all the time. It's stuff that I think, look, I get that you got this when you were in college or that your mom gave this to you in high school, but do we really need a raggedy and doll do we really need it i don't think we do i don't think we need this and so you know it's kind of but what if one of those trinkets was offered to the you know passengers in first class on the titanic like what if it was waiting on them in their bedroom and it was one of the you know 10 remaining like maybe you should vet these things before you get rid of them real quick <laughs> maybe you are the story because of christie's yeah. stuff and you just don't know it yet well there would be a double layer uh, of all this because if that's true long lost raggedy ann from titanic found in tallahassee florida garage uh if that is true then what would happen is people would read that story and then they would read about the the guy that owned the house being obsessed with people who have stuff like that in their garage and all the time it was in his so that's how that story would read and people like see yeah, I don't have a degree in psychology or therapy of any kind, but perhaps this is your subconscious calling to you. Your obsession with this is because you know on some there's level. something out there amongst the Christmas lights. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. The rest of the story reads as follows. It's being called one of the most significant art discoveries of the last few decades with the drawing identified as a piece from Albert Albrecht, excuse me, uh, Albrecht Durer, 
a European Renaissance master who died in 1528. So my man drew this thing in the 1520s. An art collector discovered the piece nearly by accident, and someone who thought they found a pretty neat little piece of artwork turned it into a nice fortune. The whirlwind started when a bookstore employee asked the art collector for their opinion on a drawing that they picked up at a garage sale over the weekend. There haven't been any new discoveries from the artist in decades. They thought they had identified all of his works. The collector declared this one either the greatest forgery that he had ever seen in his life or, in fact, a real masterpiece. So imagine, Tom, at that moment, how what you 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 are either holding a, a winning lottery ticket or you got the numbers wrong. But I mean, can you imagine that moment of trying to get that verified? Or this art collector knows the work so well that they spent years, years forging the work until the perfect piece came together, <laughs> and they said, "Listen, I need you to be my accomplice here. You're going to yeah. find this in a garage sale for thirty mm -hmm. bucks, and it's going to become more plausible. Because if I just found it as an art dealer and and yeah. art critic, there's no way. But if you work with me on this, because that person has to have an amazing conscience." To know the bookstore employee who who shows them the piece, and, and they could have said, piece of junk, but I'll give you 50 bucks for it. They didn't do that. I was so. just about to go there, Tom. I was just about to say, this person is a good person. I maybe not so good. I think I would have said, now, if it was Joe Blow who worked uh, at, you know, at, at the bookstore or whatever, and I didn't care about him or her, I'd go, yeah, hmm, I don't know. I, I like that. I'll give you 50 bucks for it. See, you made 20 bucks. There you go. And then they'd give it to me, and I'd be like, hoo, 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 dumbass, and I'd be rich. But, but if it were you, well, I love you, so I'd be like, well, Tom, I got to tell you, congratulations, you're a millionaire. Yeah. A little something for my troubles. You know, no, I'm just saying that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, Tom, I, I love you. You know, that would work, look great in my living room. I'll give you $500 for it. <laughs> $500. Come $500. On. Yeah. Also, I got two, uh, I got two tickets. Uh, they're they're uh, Delta vouchers. Anywhere you want to go in the country. Anywhere you want to go, yeah. On me, buddy. Have fun with it. Have fun yeah. with it. Yeah. By all means. You over, the next, <laughs> over the next few years, numerous experts from around the globe had to attempt to verify the piece. The price of the drawing was deemed just north of $10 million. And of course, I mean, that's why you watch Antique Roadshow or Pawn Stars or any of that stuff. I mean, that is exactly why you watch it. And I'm not going to lie, I watch all of those things. I watch the Antique. Oh, yeah, I watch the Antique Roadshow. I love that show. Uh, well, yeah, that's fine. I've never watched one episode of Pawn Stars. And I know it's got a subculture of people who can't get enough of that show and i know the memes of it with like the guy shouting and then the chairs getting tossed at the end of it those are always funny yeah every time i see one of those but it's actually a good show here's the problem with pawn stars and all <laughs> other reality type tv shows the scenarios that they put the people in are clearly crafted so one of the things that bothers me is like the dialogue, they, they, they think it's so necessary for the principal characters, which are the people that own the pawn shop. They think it's necessary for us to allegedly be a fly on the wall for a conversation in the back between the old man and the son, the father who owns the store, who's now dead, by the way, and his son. Um, and the conversation is so fake. It's, it's always contrived and nonsensical. If you can get past that, it's a little bit like a laugh track. If you can get past that, yeah. The actual items that people bring in 
and have evaluated. That's really cool. Like, I mean, a guy came in the other day that I watched. I think I brought this up on the air with a, a concert played Jimi Hendrix guitar and he had it authenticated, dated the show, place, time, songs, set list, whole deal. And you find out his backstory is that he owns a, a music store in Los Angeles and that he came across it many years ago. Somebody who had been a relative or friend or roadie or whatever for Jimmy had it, brought it in, could prove it. And I don't know if it was with like the serial number or what it was like, you know, I, I don't know, but they were able to prove it. And the guy was between a rock and a hard place. He needed to sell it. And what was cool was you're watching it. And then the guy says, well, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but I know one who is, and he's going to come in and we're going to get, you know, to get this authenticated and evaluated guy came back. He was like, yeah, man, that's uh, probably worth about 50 to $60,000. Hmm. So what I was blown away by was not only were they able to do that, but then my man goes, okay, well, let's cash you out. And just gave him 50 grand in cash. That's crazy. And, but you know, in a way that feels light, you know, a Jimi Hendrix, I guess there's a ton of them. They're just, there must be a ton yeah, of them. There must be, uh, yeah, there can't be just two, right? I mean, there must be a ton of them. You're right. But the, the rest of this story is that it took two years, but they did authenticate it. And a man got $10 million because he knew enough to just pick this up and go. Also, by the way, credit to all of these people. I, Okay, I, I don't know about you, but I took humanities in college. So did you. I'm sure you had to, right? So, um, we, you know, it's one of your, you know, 100-level courses, right? You take those. And yeah, I like it because it's a lot like history, and I love the different periods. And, I, I'm you know, I like art, and I like, uh, obviously, cultures, and I like history, and I love to learn who presented what when and what, you know, what century this happened and and, and what era uh, taste changed and shifted towards, you know, whatever absurdism and all that stuff, right? So I, I'm, I'm amazed that people, uh, and I guess I shouldn't be because there's an expert in every field, right? Somebody cares enough about this stuff. But for as much as you and I know, about sports or as much as I know about music, right? I'm not so sure that my expertise is at a level where if you were to show me, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not thinking of a good anecdote here. I'm not thinking of a good comparison, but this drawing is just, it's a pencil drawing. It's just a drawing on a sheet of paper. Okay. Now I know there are context clues because the artist has patterns and if they were left-handed or right-handed, there are tells, there are things that you can, but man, these people that look at a drawing from some dude in the 1500s that was pretty prolific was an, and was amongst a bunch of other artists at that time who did something similar and they can just look at it and go, that's a Joubert. What the hell? That's amazing. I got, there are artists I can do that with. We know Van Gogh's colors are different from everybody else's and, and it's very vibrant and very um, stylistically we can recognize him and you can do that with a few others, but there, I mean, there are, uh, there are people who can just look at a drawing, a shade and tell you that that is a Dubois. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't know a power forward from a second baseman, though. You know, it's just like it's all what you do with your time. And if you think about the world, how big it is and how many people are in it. Yeah. The odds are somebody's an expert in something. I mean, like you could be if you really wanted to be. Let's say that Nolan Ryan was your favorite pitcher. Like you might be able to spot his glove somewhere like, oh, my God, that's the blue ball he used in Texas. You know, I mean, you might be able to spot that in something. along those true. Yeah, you're probably right. Like signature things about the player. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There would be a giveaway. And sometimes it wouldn't even be obvious. Like if you knew that much about him, then you knew that when he got nervous, he gnawed on the string tie on the yeah. inside. And so if you saw that, you'd be like, yeah, it's been not upon. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, though, we play golf and go to corner pocket on Fridays. You know, that's what we do with our time. Those people just study films and, and read the books and, and go to the galleries all across the world for whatever there's their specific concentration is that's how they know it it's just i would never be that fanatical about anything and that's unfortunate because that's probably what holds me back from finding a 10 million dollar discovery at a garage sale well i don't know about that you'd have to be extremely lucky that guy got i mean to be in that state at that time at that garage sale but what's weirder is that he knew this person who would have that information stored i mean like to walk over to your buddy and be like hey jerry is this uh dubois what are we doing here i think it is huh huh you know that's crazy yeah, um, something tells me that Jerry was his most difficult customer at the bookstore. He's like, you know what? I want to put this guy to good use. This guy is <laughs> up my, you know what, all the time about the, the pages being bent on his brand new book. Like, okay, you know what? Let's see if he's really all about what he says he's about. Oh, my God. Thank you, Rich. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's filed away, everybody. There's another one in a long series of these stories on the Jeff Cameron Show of somebody finding something at a garage sale. And I'm not talking about like Antiques Roadshow where they have all those experts and they, you know, they go city to city and people come from all around. This is this is a garage sale, a random thing. Remember the last one we did? Somebody found old photos that turned out to be Ansel Adams photos that had been lost forever. And this person, now you could recognize Ansel Adams, but this person looked at that and was like, I mean, I could, I, I know what Ansel Adams looks like, but I'm, the, the person was kind of like, Oh, I think, and they screwed the person because the best part about that was they knew it. And they were like, Oh, you they, and they t- later on admitted that that person clearly didn't know what they had. And they gave him like 20 bucks. Yeah. I could give you Andrelton Simmons or Matt Adams, but <laughs> Ansel Adams. <laughs> no. It's <laughs> the Jeff Cameron show. 93, three real talk radio war chat TV passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance, superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, led headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride. Every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the jeff cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk 93.3 jeff cameron show 93.3 real talk radio warchant tv libations friday loose goosey good to be with you Hope you're enjoying the show. Hope you're enjoying your Friday. And I hope you're going to enjoy your weekend and maybe, maybe taking a little Florida State baseball, baby. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be there. It's real. It's live. It's going to happen. Lights on. Hauser with all the new padding, a new season amongst us. And uh, I'll check for the puddles when I get over there tonight. I'm sure they're there. It did rain today, Tom. It did rain. So uh, the fact that those puddles are omnipresent when it's 97 in the summer and hasn't rained in a week, 
tells me that they're certainly going to be there today. And yeah. we name them. If it's rained any time since I was an undergrad, I think there would be <laughs> a puddle or two there. But the good news is that, um, you know, hope springs eternal on opening day. It's one of my favorite days. Um, I like our time slot now, you know, recording aside the one to three, because, you know, even those Friday 6 p.m. first pitches are now a hell of a lot more accessible to us. So I look forward to making my way over to the Oaks more often this season uh, for Friday evening. Uh, it's just, you know, even though you can't park out there anymore, which is they're doing right by the Oaks themselves or else we would have killed them uh, as tailgaters. Uh, that is one of my favorite Florida State traditions. It's right up there with Florida State basketball. And, and it's funny that I don't mention football. It's because, well, I came in a lost decade. And, and while I grew up loving FSU football, I discovered new things about Tallahassee and, and what this city embraces and what it does uh, with sports. And, you know, uh, among those top things are just sitting under the Oaks on a day like today, before you get into ACC play late into the season or regional play when it's hot as hell out there right now, it's just uh, a shade of heaven. So I can't wait to be out there today. Yeah. It's cool that you bring up those traditions. Florida state is heavy on uh, baseball traditions, obviously with a program that has been consistently excellent as this one has uh, they've spent the better part of 50 years uh, putting together these traditions and these success stories. Um, you know, we we all know, obviously, the elusive national championship is what all that remains for Florida State baseball. They have already checked the box on everything else, whether it's all time wins, whether it's you know trips to Omaha, whether it's hosting regional super regionals, whether it's, you know, victories, you name it. They've done it all except in the national championship. And that's always what comes up because it's the only thing that remains. But along the way, a lot of cool stuff happened that is only born out of winning a lot of games and being this consistent. And that is attendance is really good for Florida state baseball. Most places do not feature great attendance for college baseball. They just don't. Uh, There are exceptions. Obviously we know them. There are other traditions. We know them, but very few uh, live up to any of, of what you see from Florida State, which is pretty impressive. And that's one of them, by the way, buddy. I love it. I love going out there. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to I'll say this. Um, I'm, I'm going to enjoy this season. I have a suspicion um, they're going to be really good. Now, I, I think the question marks are around the offense. And again, next hour coming up here in mere moments, you're going to hear from Mike Martin Jr., He'll get into this. Yes, based on last year, you're going to really have two fingers to your eyes, two fingers back to this offensive group. Um, you know, you got to put the ball in play more. And then I think, Tom, you pointed it out. Obviously, the last number of years where Florida State has been faulty is they don't pick up the baseball. They just don't pick up the baseball. And if they if they get – if there's a modicum of improvement with back to ball – and you make the routine plays and you're comfortable enough with that. I don't need you to be sensational defensively. I just need you to make routine plays routinely. And if they do that, they have so many arms. It's going to be a really good team. They're going to win a lot of games. And I think expectations will grow in the weeks to come. I think we're going to start getting excited again. And I miss the days of going over to Hauser where there's an electricity uh, because there is this hope that this is the year, you know, last year, the brand of baseball was poor and the team we knew wasn't good enough. And so you kind of felt like you were playing out the string when you went over there, there wasn't a sense that you were about to watch something special. There wasn't a sense that that team could be the team that they could get into the postseason to do something. Once they did, I hope this year pretty early on, we learned that, 
Oh, there's reason for hope, and hope springs eternal. And I'm going to go over there knowing that I might be watching a team or certainly a number of players that are going to go on to do great things. And I think this team has a chance to do that. I really do. And I think you could hear it in this interview that you're going to hear next hour. I think Mike is uh, cautiously optimistic. You know, he, he knows enough to not overstate, um, you know, what they'll be. But he didn't certainly back down from expectations. Well, and he's also somebody who won't hide from the fact that the team's going to be bad in certain areas. So when he has any cautious optimism, like I, I think his general midpoint is a little bit pessimistic about what they – he sees faults before he sees pluses. And so if he's anything close to optimistic about what this team is, that, that gives me hope too. You know, one of the weird things that this program has that I love so much about it, um, specifically over maybe any other program in town, is I feel like in a way – Soccer and softball have surpassed baseball in terms of national knollness, meaning that, you know, people around the country that are Florida State grads will tune in to a championship level performance or, or something close to the, the college cup or super regionals and softball play. Like, I feel like more people are doing that for those two sports than baseball right now, because that there isn't much belief in baseball nationally among Noel grads. But what I love about this program that it, most others don't have at Florida State, it's kind of like the city of Tallahassee's team. Like it's a very talent. It's it's almost minor league baseball centric. The yeah, way that yeah. the city rallies around it, and so that's where you know there are times that my my friends that I went to school with are saying, "Man, why are you talking about baseball?" I'm like, well, if you lived here in town, you'd get it, because we also serve the people of Tallahassee here, and, and haven't lived in uh, this town for sixteen years now. That's what I love about about this group when it's playing well. The city is into it. Tallahassee gets into it. Maybe not in all the Noel grads. They'll come around regional, super regional time. And if not, they'll certainly be around for Omaha for like a game or two a year. But this is something that we all get to do collectively. And this could be a really fun ride this year. You know, I think, by the way, and again, we, we've touched on a lot of the uh, topics and uh, subject matter uh, of the Mike Martin Jr. interview that you're going to hear uh, at the start of the next hour. We've alluded to some of these things. But it's not giving it away. I mean, we get down into the nuts and bolts of stuff um, in that interview. But Mike brought it up. He brought up he wants to see Hauser rocking again. And I can sense the longing, if you will, in his voice for that because he is hearkening back to a better time. He's not wrong on that. There were better times at Hauser than what we've seen in the last number of years. It used to be a place that was filled with electricity. And those series were huge. And you almost could sense the crowd willing that team to victory and some of these great comeback wins that I was so fortunate to be sitting at and watching and cheering, yelling, screaming my head off. It was the best. It was the best. And I know that to some degree, it's a bygone era. Certain things have gone uh, and may never come back. Baseball has taken a hit in the last number of years, both professionally and collegiately, uh, in terms of the product itself not being as desirable amongst the consumers. But I do think we can get something closer to that if they just pick up the baseball and give indicators that they're going to be one of the best eight teams in the country, that they're going to be one of those kinds of squads. Because if that's true, people do get that. The town does get that buzz and they do go out to the ballpark and they, you know, it becomes that 50-50 proposition for your weekend. Am I going to go to a couple games at Hauser or am I going to take my wife out to dinner? Am I going to go here? Am I going to go there? Well, if they're really good, it makes the decision that much easier. That's right. And your wife will want to go with you to Hauser because it'll be rocking and there's an atmosphere there. Yeah, the two numbers specifically, those, those are the generalities, but the two numbers specifically I'll be watching between now and probably that first Florida game. That's usually early enough in the year that you have a good snapshot. It's unearned runs and it's strikeouts in the batting order. Those are the two numbers because that'll give you an indicator of how well or not that we're picking up the baseball and then at the plate. 
how we're doing discipline wise. But those are two key numbers to look at this year for improvement over last season, the last few years, especially with bad with the defense. Hour number two forthcoming. It is uh, in almost the entirety of the hour. My interview with Mike Barton Jr. comes up next. You're listening to 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV on Alive Friday. Good stuff.